0: Good morning everybody Good morning. and a happy new year, new year to you all. Um, they were saying that time flies and I got a real glimpse of that when the day uh, after boxing day I went to the shops and they got hot cross buns. <laughs> the day after boxing day and I was telling somebody about it and he said he went into another shop and there was Easter eggs. Time wow. Time flies. Yeah. I've got an interesting scripture I want to read to you today from Galatians chapter five. Now, for those of you who know, Galatians chapter five is about genealogies. It's this father was the father of that guy and that guy, and and it's a very interesting thing to read, isn't it? The genealogy we love. Would you? This is Galatians. This one is, uh, sorry, Genesis. What did I say? Why did I say Galatians? It's Genesis. (laughs) And the strange, if you read, some of you have read these genealogies. The whole chapter is full of it. But a verse just springs out. You think, what's that about? And I want to read it to you. From verse 21, it says, When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch... Walked with God and then he was no more because God took him away. Right in the midst of this genealogy, this strange verse of scripture comes out about this man called Enoch. And he lived a relatively short life because God took him, and it says there, when he was 365. Because in those days they lived seven, eight, nine hundred years. It says that when he was 65, he had a son called Methuselah. Now, Methuselah was the oldest man in the world. He lived for 969 years. That's pretty good going, isn't it? That's a long time. And the word or the name Methuselah is an interesting name. You've got to do some studying upon it. It's, it's got several connotations for names. One of them could mean spear. But another connotation of the name of Methuselah is death. Death at his death. Or, as most theologians put it, judgment at his death. And in the year that Methuselah died, that's when the flood came. That's when God destroyed the earth the first time. Death will come At his death, judgment will come. At his death, Methuselah means judgment. He walked around with a name for 969 years saying, Judgment will come when I die. And you know what? Nobody took any notice. But his father was Enoch. Now, Enoch means it's a a lovely name, it means um, dedicated. And it means disciplined. When he was 65, he had his son, Methuselah. Then after, he had lots of other sons and daughters. But then it says he walked with God for 300 years. So if you read that, it looks like he didn't start walking with God until he was 65. Something must have happened in his life that caused him to want to walk with God. Methuselah walked with God. And my question to you this morning is, are you walking with God? Walking with God, so pleased God that God took him. Didn't leave him around. He took, God thought, this is so good. This guy is walking with me. Remember, they're coming up to judgment day. Nobody's walking with God. There's two men that were found that I'm really thankful for. One is this guy Enoch and the other guy is Noah. Because if it wasn't for Noah, we wouldn't be here today. Come on. It says Enoch walked with God. It says Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And Noah and his family went into the ark, and the Bible says it was God who closed the door. He, uh, Noah did not close the door. God closed the door, and there were no windows in that ark except above. Yeah. So Noah couldn't see what was happening outside. He, he did not see the judgments of God, and you wouldn't have wanted to anyway. That's right. yeah. But Enoch walked with God. And God took him. A lot of theologians feel, and I do, that this is a type of the church. Enoch is a type of the church. Dedicated. Yeah, yeah. Disciplined. Not much reaction to that one, is there? <laughs> Let me say, this is a type of the church. Dedicated. Yeah, yeah. Not, you like that bit. What about the next one? Disciplined. And he walked with God. Because he walked with God, he pleased God. He was walking with God. You know, we have just lost a beautiful queen, Queen Elizabeth II. And I'm a royalist. I, I guess maybe because I was born in England. And I'm a royalist. And all my life I've followed the queen in the sense of Reading about her, and if you was to ask me questions about the Queen, I knew quite a lot. I know what her hobbies were, I knew what animals she were like. I knew a lot about her. I knew a lot about the Queen. but i didn't know her there's books who have written, there's people who've written books about her, but they didn't know her. I knew about her. My head's filled with knowledge about her, but I didn't know her. I could never, when I went to visit England, ring her up and say, look, I'm, I'm there on such and such a date. Can I pop around for a coffee with you? <laughs> I couldn't do that. Couldn't do that. Do you know why? There was a barrier. I knew about her, but I couldn't get close to her. One reason was they won't let me. And she probably won't let me. <laughs> I did not... Know her, even though I knew about her. And I want to tell you that a lot of people at the time of Enoch knew about God. There was one man walking around with a name, Methuselah. A lot of people knew about God, but nobody knew him, apart from Enoch. How sad is that? Come on. How sad is that? And my question to you is... Do you know about God or do you know God? There's a huge difference. In fact, I could sit down with you and you could tell me a lot about God. You could tell me scriptures that you've read. You could explain things about God's power, his his, his creativity. You could tell me a lot. I know about God. Do you know him? That's the question I'm putting to you today. Do you know him? Do you walk with him? Walking with somebody indicates to me that there's a a closeness there. When you're walking with somebody, there's a closeness. The church like to say that, uh, the theologians like to say that Enoch is a type of the church. Because something happened to Enoch... He walked with God, and then he was not because God took him. Didn't mean he didn't exist. It means God took him away from here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He was ready to go as well, I think. (laughs) God took him. And a lot of Christians I know of are not ready to go. They don't want to go. They like where they are, and they don't want to go. But if you're a Christian, let me just tell you this. You're going to go. Whether you like it or not, you're going. There's going to be a rapture. The church will be raptured. The church will be taken. Enoch is a type of the church. If you walk with God, you will be taken to be with him for eternity. Hallelujah. Somebody once asked me a question. Who's going to be taken up to be with the Lord? They asked me that question because we talked about the rapture. And the rapture means sometime. It could be today. Could be sometime this year, the church will be taken. Now, I can imagine when Enoch was taken, people would think, where's he gone? Somebody's killed him. Or he's ran away. You know, there would be questions, but not too many, because he was just one man who just disappeared, and people disappeared. But when the church is taken, I want to tell you the whole of the church will be taken all around the world, not one person. Yeah, yeah. Millions! Hallelujah! Yeah. Close to over a billion people will go to be with the Lord. Hallelujah! I hope you're gonna be one of them. Because somebody said to me, who are the ones who's gonna be taken up to heaven? And I answered by saying, the ones who will be taken up to heaven are the ones who are taken up with Him now. Oh, some of you didn't like that, did you? If you're not walking with God, you're not taken up with him. If you're not walking with God, you're not close to him. When you walk with somebody, it is amazing, and you walk close with them, their character and their personality rubs off on you. You become like those that you're close to. And uh, I've got a little dog, and my daughter said to me, I was walking in the park with him last week, she says, dad, my dog's name is Caleb. It's a lovely Hebrew name and it, is, it means fierce dog. <laughs> That's what Caleb means. So the guy Caleb in the Bible, his name meant fierce dog. My dog's not fierce, but it's a dog. <laughs> and my daughter says to me, dad, Caleb's got your footprint. He's just like you. He's become like you. Look at him. For one thing, I'm left-handed. And he always walks on the left-hand side. And when, if she takes him for a walk, she gets annoyed because she's right-handed, you see. She wants to walk right-handed. Caleb's always on the left with me. He knows me. He thinks like me. He can tell exactly when it's time for supper. He can tell exactly when it's time. He just knows things. Dogs are clever because they walk with you. If you've got a dog, I'll guarantee that dog wants to walk with you. That dog wants to talk with you. He wants to know about you. He wants to know you. He wants you to be close to him. And when I said he talks to you, let me just tell you, dogs do talk to you. Not with words that we use, but they talk. I talk to my dog all the time. He's the only one I've got to talk to because I'm in the house on my... <laughs> but I talk to him all the time. And, and, and he talks to me in his way. When, and when you walk with somebody... You rub off when husbands and wives, they rub off on each other. They become like each other. Yeah, yeah. When you walk with God, yeah. you become like God. Amen. Yeah. Knowing God, knowing about God, doesn't make you like him. Wow. Yeah. I knew all about the Queen, but nowhere in this world... Was I royal? Do you know what I'm saying? Didn't, didn't rub off on me because I wasn't walking with her. When you walk with somebody, their personality rubs off on you. Their character, their individuality even. And you are them. When you walk with God, something rubs off on you. I'm challenging you today. Are you walking with him? Do you know him or do you just know about him? You can come to church every week. You can be involved with church activities. You can read your Bible even every day and still not know him, but you just know a about him. Your life isn't walking with him. You're walking with other things. You're doing other things, but not walking with God. That is a, And I've seen that. I've been a pastor long enough to know that uh, there's a lot of people coming to church who know about God, but don't know him, or did know him, but have strayed. Still come to church, but have strayed. There's not that closeness. There's not that Walking with God. Let me just tell you something. When you walk with God, God's pleased with you. He was so pleased with Enoch, he thought, You're too good for this world. You're coming with me. What a. Would you imagine that? And he went to be, and he was a type of what's going to happen with us. Glory to God. You know, we live in terrible times. You, You know that. You don't need me to tell you, but. We live in times where people are afraid of the future. And I'm not saying this is what Christians are just saying. We know that the church has already said that the world's gonna get worse. We know that, I'm gonna read a scripture soon. But scientists are saying it, educators are saying it. Economists are saying something's wrong with this world. Something is bad about the world with the environment, the things that are happening, the wars that are taking place and the potential wars that could even spark us into world wars. The world's never been like it before. When there's so much fear, so much anxiety, so much cruelty out there. And I'm talking about in our modern societies with all our education. And how much talk is the about, come on, don't let us have racial discrimination. And we talk, we write books, we make films. I want to tell you, there's still as much racial discrimination as ever there has been. And getting worse. The world out there, there's something radically wrong. Now listen to this scripture from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul was writing to this young man who, was, who became a pastor, a minister. In fact, he became a bishop in the church. And Paul's writing to him and he says, Timothy, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days in the last days let me just say it again this this was written 2000 years ago and paul knew what it knew what it was to live under a roman regime and it was terrible then life was cheap terrible things happened 2000 years ago But Paul is living in that. He's seeing the slavery around him. He's seeing the the disregard for human life. He's seeing it, but they're preaching the gospel and people are getting saved. And he says to Timothy, mark this, take note of this. There will be terrible things and terrible times in the last days. Wow. I want to tell you, you are living in the last days. How do I know it? Well, why will there be terrible times in the last days? That's, that's what he says. He goes to qualify why he's saying that. But he's saying to Timothy, there's going to be terrible times. And of course, people are blaming all sorts of things why the world is in a mess. They're b- blaming carbon emission, and I'm not saying that's got nothing to do with it. I'm just saying they're blaming things. Everybody's blaming something or somebody. Why will there be terrible times? Paul tells Timothy, listen, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. This is it, why? Because people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power, have nothing to do with them. That's why there's going to be terrible times. That's why there is terrible times. Let me read it again. There's terrible times in the world that you live, in the world that I live, because, listen to it, people will be lovers of themselves. Come on. Lovers of themselves. We live in such a generation where people are lovers of themselves. (sighs) Lovers of money boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Who would ever thought that we live in a day and age where we would have a Harry and a Megan... Harry slandering the royal family. Slandering his family. And not everybody in families have trouble. Brothers and sisters fall out and you get over it. What do you think would happen if you decide to write a book and slander your family? You say, oh, I would not want to do that. Well, but hasn't your family been cruel to you at times? Yes, they have, but I've been cruel to them as well. But this... Royalist? This prince has written a book to slander his family. That falls right in line with what Paul... And if those top guys are slanderous, how much more everybody else? That's the world you're living in, friends. You're living in terrible times. And the times are terrible because of the heart of men. And God takes a step back. The Bible says you will reap what you sow. If you don't want to walk with God then you'll reap that. If you want to walk by yourself you'll reap by walking by yourself. You'll reap what it means to be alone, to be by yourself, to think that you are the God, to think that you are the answer. You'll reap it. That's what we're doing. We're living in a day and age that I never thought I'd see things happening today. The last time I was with you I spoke about Standing firm, and, and, and now I'm talking about walking with God. We stand firm in the faith and we walk with God at the same time. Amen. Amen. Yes. Come on. You walk with God. Yeah. Let me have a shot at some of the older ones as well. I often have a shot at the younger ones. I'll have a shot at you guys later, but I'm going to have a shot <laughs> at the older ones. You know, when, when you're young and, and, and serving God, it's hard so many temptations. You're laughed, mocked, ridiculed because you're a Christian. You go to church and you think, and it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to be a Christian. For young people, it can be hard to be a Christian. Well, let me tell you something, young people. It doesn't get any easier. (laughs) I'm old, like some of you here. I've been a Christian since the age of 15. I'm now 81, going on 82. And I'm going to tell you something. Doesn't get easier. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> oh. Doesn't. So you've got a lifetime of it being tough. Yeah. But some of you who are older, you know what I'm saying. It doesn't get easier. So some of you, you may be older, but maybe you've strayed. Maybe you've stepped back. Maybe you're not walking. Maybe you know a lot about him, but do you know him? The Apostle Paul said, I want to know Christ. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. The fellowship of shearing in his sufferings, being come like him in his death. He wrote that (coughs) 25 years to 30 years after being a Christian. I want to know him. And the word in the Greek know means to be experientially knowing him. He wasn't saying, I want to know about him. He knew a lot about him. He was writing part of the New Testament. Paul knew about God. But he says, I want to keep on knowing him. I want to keep on. It's a keeping on thing. It's a continuation, experientially knowing him. I want to keep on. On knowing him. And I say this to you now as an old man. I still want to know him. I still don't want to say, well, I've been there, done that, done it, or learned I know my Bible. I I can step back. I don't want to step back. Especially as I look around me and see the pain and the suffering and the anguish. And I think what people are going through in the Ukraine right now, living in fear, living in darkness, cold without food, because some madman wants to take their country over. And let me just tell you, Putin isn't the only mad leader in the world. I thought I might have got an amen there. <laughs> I thought I've got, I, th- I really did. That shocked me then. I probably didn't hear me. Putin isn't only the, the only mad leader in the world. <laughs> that's the world you live in, and that's the world you young people live in. how do I keep walking with God what do I have to do to keep on walking with God see at the age of 15 I became a Christian and if I was to say to you in all of these years I've never stopped walking with him, I've always walked with him, I think I'd be telling you a lie I've always known about him But there's been times when I've took a little step back. There's been times when it got tough. There's been times when I got tired. And I stood back. I've never actually backslidden. I've never walked away from Jesus and denied him. Never done that. But there's been times when I know I've not been walking with him. To walk with someone means that you can hold their hand. And if you back off far enough, you can't hold the hand. And I want to make sure that when I finish, I want to be like Enoch, still walking with God. I want to be close to him. I want to know him. The world may laugh and mock and ridicule. You know, I look at my life and sometimes it's a bit like some Christians understand what I'm saying, especially young people. My life's like a yo-yo. Sometimes it's up and down, you know. I'm up one minute, down the next, up one minute, down the next. But of course, a lot of you people looking at me now are so spiritual, you don't even know what I'm talking about. What's he on about, that guy? I've never been like that. Yes, you have. Don't be so stupid. You have your ups and downs. We all do. Come on. But I want to make sure that when Jesus comes again, I'm walking with him. (laughs) I don't want to be away when he comes. I want to make sure I'm walking with him and close to him. And I want him to rub off on me. I want to be more like Jesus than I've ever been. There's still so much to learn. There's still so much to know. I want to be more like him than I've ever, ever been. There's two ways in which you get to know a person. You talk to them. Have you noticed that? Yeah. My mum and dad when I was born, that I was next to the youngest mum and I had ten kids and by the time I came along mum and dad were just they just hated each other. Hated each other. I can never remember my dad and mum having a conversation. If he wanted something, he'd scribble something on a bit of paper and put it on the table. And she would do the same. They'd never talk. I'm serious. I'm serious. They must have loved each other at some stage. (laughs) They married all these kids. They never talked. Husbands, talk to your wives. Wives, Nag your husbands. <laughs> talk. And can I say this? Talk to God. Now, when we say talk to God, you say, oh, it was saying prayers. Hang on. I believe in saying prayers. So don't nobody go away saying John Warwick doesn't believe in prayer. I believe in it. I believe there's times when I get before the Lord and I, and I list things to pray. But I talk to him every day. I mean, just talk. Drive in my car. I might see a beautiful sunset. And I say, oh, Lord, look at that lovely sunset you've made. There'll never be another one like that. I'm looking at something I will never see the same again. I talk to him. I tell him he's great. He is I talk to him like I talk to a friend. I just mumble. So, and, and of course it's easier for me because as I say there's only a the dog there. The dog hears me talking to the Lord a lot. And chat, and sometimes he thinks I'm talking to him. And now I'm talking to the, dog, to the Lord. But I, and I can understand that if you're in a family and, and it can be difficult. But when you get the opportunity, just talk. And sometimes if you can't talk out loud, just talk in your mind to him. Tell him each day what a wonderful God he is. Just tell him. Praise Him. Glorify Him. Don't wait just till Sunday morning yeah, yeah. where you sing four or five choruses and that's your praise for the week. That's it now till next week. No. Yeah. Talk to Him every day. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to talk to God. And young people, develop that. Uh, yep, yeah, don't miss praying. You know, get a, to a place where you need to pray for the church, pray for your missionaries, pray for... You you, you, you need a list. But apart from that, praying, and some people find that praying harder to do, but you need to do it. But, just talk. Get used to talking to Jesus, as you would a friend. And there's something else you do. You talk to him, and the second thing you do is you read the word. You read the Bible. They still have them. In this day and age, there are still Bibles. And, And most of you have probably got your Bible on there. I have. They did a survey a few months ago out of America. When I read this survey, it shocked me. They have said that the average young person today, throughout their life, if they live a full life of, say, going to the 80s, In their lifetime, now listen to this, they will spend 17 years on the phone. Not 17 days, not 17 weeks, not 17 months, but 17 years on the phone. That's not counting iPad or computers, just that. When I read that, I was shocked. But then I started to think, no, they're not wrong. Because I often go into a coffee, into a cafe with someone for a coffee. I look around me. People could be sitting there having a coffee together. Three or four people all on the phone. Yes. I go to the gym. And, and in between you doing your exercise, you have a little bit of a break. Just a few seconds. As soon as I've done that, the, the phone's out. I, I can't believe it. I don't bring my phone into the gym because I'm in the gym. Come on. 17 years of your life will be spent on the phone. That's what they said. But I'm going to rephrase it. 17 years of your life will be wasted on the phone. <laughs> and you're going to find this hard to understand young people. When I was born and a lot of these old ones will tell you it's true. We didn't have phones. I mean we didn't have landlines. We didn't have any, if you wanted, if you had an emergency, you'd have to go outside and look for a telephone box. Amen. And hopefully it hadn't been vandalised. Especially if you come from England. they vandalised it. So you could go, if it's an emergency, didn't have cars. You had to walk to find a phone, to make a phone call. And when you get in there, it's vandalised. You've got to try and find another phone box. They're looking at me as if I'm telling lies. It's, I'm telling you the truth. I did not speak on a phone that was my own my own, until I was in the, well into my 20s. It's a different world today. You can't imagine it. I think that children are born today with a phone in their hand. Or coming out their ear. It's true. I, I, my, not grandchildren, but great grandchildren are so tiny, they can show me what to do on the phone when I get stuck. <laughs> on the computer, they just tell me I got something. I, the little one comes to me and goes, <laughs> pop I think, I can't believe this. <laughs> 17 years on the phone. Can you imagine what sort of person you would be if you spent, in your lifetime, say an average life of 80 years, you spent 17 years reading the Bible? Oh, I've got some funny looks then. Oh, I've got some real funny looks then. The truth is, I guarantee that the vast majority of people here that's got a phone have got their Bible on the phone. And I will guarantee the vast majority of people here look at Facebook, Instagram, more than the Bible. I'm trying, Lord. I'm really trying. But from that response, it was, you're right. Shame on you. We're walking with God. To walk with God, I need to talk with God. To walk with God, I need to know all about him. I need to know his word. And this is the thing, and I'll finish with this. This is important. The Bible is such an incredible, and I don't know what words to use exactly, so I'm going to use a word mystical, because I don't know a better word to use. It's not mystical, but I'm, I'm just using that. When I go to read the Bible, I've got to believe it's God's word. So when I go to read it, I have to hope that what I'm reading is really true. The foundation of faith is hope. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, in those days, not many people read and they would Go to church and go to the synagogues and the Bible would be read or the Old Testament would be read out loud. So they heard it. And they were encouraged to hear it a lot. And, and if you go to hear the preacher on the word of God, totally on the word of God. and If you go to your Bible to read it and you're hoping that this is true, that you're what you're reading, something mystical happens. Your faith rises and you believe it. But a lot of people don't read their Bible in that attitude. They read it like they would Shakespeare or Agatha Christie or whatever. They read the Bible as if it's a novel or a history book or a love story or whatever. But when you open this book, whether it be on there or as a book form there, when you open it and read, really get your hope moving and say, I want to believe that. Lord, I'm going to read your word now. and I want to believe what I'm reading. I hope it's true, Amen. and that hope, something happens. As you read this, because you are born again, your faith absorbs it, your faith starts to grow, because your spirit is receiving something. Amen. 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 Good. There's a beautiful proverb that tells us that God's word is like a medicine. It's healing. God's Word can heal your body, heal your soul, heal your spirit. God's Word can. But you don't approach it with unbelief. You don't approach it with the skeptic's attitude. Nothing will happen. People can know about God because they've read the Bible, but don't believe. They know about God, but they don't know Him. If I want to know Him, I've got to start to believe Him. Have you ever met a person that's so negative and so skeptical, when you're talking to them, they're always questioning what you're saying, and neg- I've got a person I go, "Oh, no matter what say, it's, I don't believe that. Well, that's rubbish. No, no, no. And I'm thinking. I hope you don't read your Bible like that. You have in your possession a treasure yes. that is absolutely mystical. But when you read it in hope, faith rises and you change. God, character, personality rubs off on you through his word. God, I believe what I've said. I believe with all of my heart that this word, I'm going to tell you this and this is going to upset some of you. You can't take your iPhone to heaven. When the rapture comes, listen to this: you could be sitting in your office, if you've got one, on the computer with your iPad there and your phone there. when you go to heaven, they're all left behind. Come on. The only thing that you will find in heaven that you got here is the word of God. It lives and abides forever. This word will always be there. Now, I want the best out of life. I want to live life to the full. I want to enjoy life. I want to grasp life with both hands. I just want to love it. I want to be happy. I want to be joyful. I just want to... And I know I'm living in a bad world. I know I'm living in terrible times. I know all that. But I want to grasp life through God's Word to the full so that I will die in joy. Come on. I won't die miserable and lonely And critical and cynical like some of you are beginning to get. Cut it out. Don't get cynical. Don't get critical. Don't. Get God's word living and living in you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Told you I were going to have a go at the old people, didn't I? (laughs) And you young people as well. Read the word. Imbibe the word. Soak it in. Okay, i finished. I think that was a pretty good sermon. I needed that. So I'm going to... You, oh, you're coming down to the front now. I haven't finished. I don't mean I've finished finished. It's just a finish. You could come in a minute. Yeah, It's me preaching. You know what I'm like? When I, it takes me half an hour to finish. No, no, I'm only joking. I want to throw the challenge out to you right now. I don't know most of you. I don't know what's going off in your heart and in your life. And even those of you who do know, I really don't know what is in your heart. And you don't know what's in my heart. But can I challenge you? I don't think I have to convince you we're living in terrible times, do I? Come on, do I have to convince you? Of course not. You know that. Common sense tells you. But if it's terrible times, then it's what the Bible says. We're just fulfilling the scripture. So along with that is going to come the rapture. Jesus is coming back. And I want to make sure I'm with him. So I want to walk with him. And I want to challenge you. Are you walking with God? If this word has struck your heart, and maybe, maybe you felt a little bit convicted or a little bit guilty or a little bit, I should be closer than I am, I know. I know there's been times, John, when I've been close, but right now I'm not. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's tough. have got family problems, work problems, health problems. Lots of reasons why you could say I'm not close. But hey, come on. Put that to one side. Yeah. Walk with God. Be Enoch. Dedicated. Disciplined. And I'll finish with this. You always, always in life will suffer the pain of discipline or the pain of disappointment. You can't not. One of those two. I want to keep on with the pain of discipline because I want to stay close to Jesus. No matter what the devil says. No matter what the world, the, the devil wants to shut me down. The world wants to shut me down, but I want to stay close to him. And Jesus, I pray I will be always close to you. You will forgive me and cleanse me and keep my heart close and pure before you. I want to keep walking with you. And if God spoke to you today, I'd like to say a prayer for you. If you're saying, I want to walk close to God, I really do. Well, let God know that. I want you to come out to the front. This is a little walk I want you to do, to walk and stand at this altar so I can pray for you. If God's spoken to you, and don't think, well, I'll come if somebody else does. Don't think like that. And if nobody comes, that's okay. But if God's spoken to you through this message, and I, and you know it, then why don't you get up from your seat right now and come and join me at the front and say, I want to walk with God. Just get up from your seat and come and stand with me if God has spoken to you right now. God bless you. Thank you, thank you. Walk with God. Enoch walked with God. God bless you. God bless you. Kabaroshunduru Kaha, Easter Kabarakushu Dudkoho, Kabaroshu. If you can speak in tongues, just do it now. Just speak in that heavenly language. Let the Spirit of God start to move in our midst. And if you're sitting there and you think, well, I should have been out. Come on, there's time for you before I pray. There's time for you to come. Walking with God. Enoch walked with God and was not because God took him. God wants you to walk with him. To talk with him. I'm going to pray any second now, but I just still sense the Spirit of God is speaking to people in the congregation. There's some of you in the congregation now that I really feel the Lord's still speaking to. Come on, you come, give in. You may say, well, I've tried it before, I've done it before, and and it's been so hard, nothing's happened. Well, this is this time. This is a fresh beginning. This is a new year. What if we made this a new year's resolution? I'm going to walk with God. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you for coming. I know God's still speaking. I feel it strong in my spirit. And i just wait a couple seconds more and then I'm going to pray. Everybody who can speak in tongues, speak in tongues. For the Lord would say that there are many voices in this world. And you know them, you've heard them, political voices, voices that are so loud, many, many voices, many, many ways that people will tell you of. But I have told you this day about my way. Walk with me, saith the Lord. Put your fingers in your ears to all the voices that you are listening to that are causing you to stray from me. Anything that is causing you to stray. Anything, saith the Lord, that is causing you to cool down spiritually, anything, then you just put it away from you. Put your fingers in your ears and do not listen to the lies of this world. Do not listen to the lies of the evil one. Have I not called you? Do I not know you by name? Have I not promised that you will go through the waters? They will not overflow over you. They will not drown you. You will go through the fire and you will not be burned. I know the trouble in this world. My son walked through this world. I know the walk that you are making. I understand the situation that you find yourself in. I do. Even though you think at times I do not understand. Even at times when you talk to me and you say, God, where are you? Why have you gone? Why are you not listening? Why have you done this? I would say to you right now, I want to walk with you. My word says, draw near to me and I will draw near. To you, So don't you sit back there saying, oh, well, God's not close to me. Well, you get close to me, saith the Lord, and I'll be close to you. That's what my word says. I want to be close. I will not hold you off. I will not hold you back. I will not shut the door in your face. I will say, no, you can't come and have com- communication and communion with me. I will not say that. You may say that to me, but I will not say that to you. If you come, I will accept you as you are. So come, saith the Lord. Do not listen to the many voices around you. Come to me. And in me, there is life. In me, there is hope. In me, there is peace. In me, there is joy. Come, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to pray now, but if God's spoken still. So if if you need to come after that word from the Lord, that was a prophecy. You, You just come now before I pray for these people. You come if you need to be in on that. Don't hold back. If you feel that maybe you have even backslidden, well, get yourself right with God today. If you feel, well, I'm not a Christian, well, you come. You really need to come. Come and get yourself right with God. Let Jesus forgive you and cleanse you from your sin. Wash your sin away and give to you the gift of eternal life. This is a new year. And as David said... It's going to be a good year for the church of Jesus Christ. Let's believe that, shall we? Let's believe that this year, many will come to know him as their Lord and Savior. So I'm going to pray right now. Everybody at the front, just raise your hands to the Lord. Lord, you see all these people right now. Lord, I I have it in my spirit, Lord, that they are very open. Some have come here, Lord really wanting to walk with you in difficulty. Some of them are in strife. Some of them are even feeling lonely. But they want to walk with you, Lord. They've heard this message and they're coming to you. They're drawing close to you, Lord. So I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will draw close to them. Each person at this altar, may they feel a sense of your presence. May they feel Your loving arms around and about them. Each person, each man, each woman, each older person, younger person, you know, Lord. May they feel your embrace. May they feel that they've got their hand in yours. May they just sense that, Lord, right now. A sense of warmth from you. And Lord, I pray as we finish this meeting and and go from this place that we won't let the world or the devil rob us from what you've said to us today. Lord, we know we're not going to go out there to an easier world. It's going to get worse. Lord, your word says it. We know that. Lord, don't let us go out there thinking, well, we don't want any more problems, don't want any more trouble. Lord, whatever problems come, whatever troubles come, we want to walk with you through that. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. Lord, may each person know that now. Some are going to go back, Lord, to difficult marriages and families. Some are going to go back there, Lord, with health problems, financial problems. There's all sorts of problems as I, as I sense in my spirit this morning, Lord, at this altar. And those people are in them. But, Lord, they're going to be in them with you. You're walking with them. And there's that beautiful scripture that David read, Lord. We know that you're going to bring us through. We're not going to stay. We're going to be brought through into a better place than this. So for each person standing here, may your blessing. May your peace be with them. May you forgive them and cleanse them as I pray you will forgive and cleanse my heart. Keep us clean. Keep us pure. Keep us holy in your presence. Lord, we just want to... Show you, wherever we go, we want people to see you through us. We want to walk with you. We want to talk with you. May every one of us do it. Those who are seated in the congregation, Lord, may they renew also that desire to keep on walking with you, to keep on talking with you. May this day be a good day. May this week be a good week. May this year be a good year. May our lives be good lives till you come and take us into perfection. And we will be careful to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you.